Good hey, folks. Good afternoon, it's... everyone. <laughs> Good afternoon. How are you doing, Ray? This is Pillars of fri- Financing. Sorry, Franchising. That's Wrong show. Franchising. Yeah. Uh, so how's everybody doing out there in Radio Land? I think I everyone's want... doing well. I th- Good. Uh, I was just wondering, hey, Fred, can you fill us in on uh, a couple things? What's happening in the franchise world today? And uh, how is uh, how is our podcast doing? Well, so on the, the first one, um, we're actually way, way exceeding what I expected. Uh, we've had almost 5,000 listens in the last 30 days. So people are really digging. Um, uh People are really digging learning about the pillars of franchising. Um, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised. So show's doing well. Um, listens keep going up, and that's what uh, you want, I want, um, our guests want, and uh, that's what I guess the people out there want is to learn more about franchising, how to build a successful franchise. How's your week been? Oh, it's been pretty good. I can't complain. The weather has been reasonable for, and you don't have to rub it in or anything. I mean, it's to me, 40 degrees is what we're doing right now is fantastic. I love it. I know you're probably experiencing some wonderful weather out there out in California, but too bad. I'm sorry you have to bear the heat out there. So I'm going to make your day. I'm going to make your day. Um, yesterday when I left the house, it was 27 out. Um, what? Are it, you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> nope, not not kidding there. And we've actually had rain the last two days, which has made it even colder. So, yes, we are having crappy weather. Um, amazingly enough, I've actually heard in the north part of San Luis Obispo County that they had snow. Oh, I love it. Uh, and, you'd like and you that. moved out to the left coast. Why? <laughs> um, well, because I like to sit at my desk and watch the whales go past. And um, actually today I've had the binoculars up because it's what I call fake whale wave weather. Um, uh, when the ocean's in a certain way, you'll, the waves, the, we get white caps and if you're not staring directly at it, we'll see the, it'll look almost like a wave spout and you got to stare with a pair of binoculars at it. So, um, and if I remember right, this month is when we should start seeing them, um, trekking past again, but yeah, that's why. You sure you're not talking whale. about the beach whales, right? Nah, nope, 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 nope. Never mind. We're talking about the <laughs> real ones and, uh-huh. Oh, okay. It, it. So, yes, the last couple of days it's actually been warmer there with you than it is out here. Oh, well, let's see. How can I rub this in? I can't think of the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, actually, I was on a bike ride yesterday, and it was 65 degrees, okay? It was 65 degrees. The sun was shining. It was gorgeous out. No lie. <laughs> That's that is awesome, my friend. That is awesome. Um, well, as sometimes happens in 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 Radio Land, technical dif- difficulties uh, abound. 
and we are waiting for our guest, Ron Silberstein. Uh, uh-huh. But he is probably having some difficulty dialing in. So I, I think one of the things that uh, I was going to ask, I mean, I was going to ask Fred is, it came to mind, besides the, the questions, uh, you know, going down to, to basics uh, with uh, auditing, um, and, and, and hey, Fred, give me a little bit of background on who Ron is and uh, why we invited him on the show, and then I'll I'll probably just jump in there a little bit with some of the questions we were going to go through him, uh, going to go, you know, ask him. Well, I've known Ron for a while now, um, and he's a CPA and an auditor. And I know he, if I remember correctly, he spent time working with, I think it was Golf World, um, and working with franchises and franchisors for quite a while, um, most of his career. And um, between he, he and two week, our guest two weeks ago, Michael Liss, um, they've been phenomenal in uh, making me understand all of the valuable information in a FDD, Franchise Disclosure Doc. Um, how to understand the info, how to, um, where it is, what you can learn from it, how you can tell. A, um, and in fact, I was re- I recently had this discussion with uh, somebody else that um, with the FDD, you look at it and you can tell whether a franchisor is making money off of its franchisees or more making money by just selling franchises. And as yeah. uh, you know, that if a franchisor is just selling franchises and then and not making money off the franchisees or the franchisee operations, let's put it that way, then odds are the franchisees aren't making money because obviously the franchisor makes money if the franchisees are making money, correct? That is correct, yes. There should be a vested interest by the franchisor into the franchisee to make money. So when you went in and and bought your franchise, um, and I know that was a century or century ago, had to get one yeah. in there after the um, weather weather uh, jab. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> what were the factors you looked at when you were um when you were doing your your due diligence on the um franchise the modern well, franchise i i think uh uh from an accounting standpoint uh every single franchise i looked at says oh you are going to make money in x amount of time they all pretty much uh, stuck to that narrative, uh, so there there were uh, you know uh, a lot of things. Uh, you know, basically, uh, Martha and I made a you know checklist of each of the franchise we were looking at. We were looking at, and uh, one of the uh, main things is basically we were looking for how, how many legal actions there were by the franchise or. And then we were looking at more from a uh, personal perspective. Is that franchise somehow 
allowing uh, us to, uh, or do they have a, a charitable organization? And um, we found that in, in the one we uh, decided to go with, which was Molly Made, and it was also more of a, I'm going to use the word ethos that I experienced when I visited the headquarters in Ann Arbor. I felt very comfortable when I went there, and more or less is, are, are they telling me the truth? And so, you know, sometimes you can sense that, and uh, or is it just a bunch of numbers that were put together? And that's one of the things about accounting is, in my mind, I'm sure many accountants may disagree with this, but in my mind, you can make the numbers any way you want them to look. <laughs> you can make it look like it. You know, it's basically uh, the best thing since sliced bread or, you know, the opposite if you wanted to. So uh, I wasn't looking that closely at the numbers. I was looking at relationship with the relationship that the franchisor had with other franchisees. Uh, and that's why I did my due diligence and talked to both existing and uh, former owners of the uh, Molly Made franchise to um, – see what the relationship was in both uh, existing and former, especially the former, because I I, I would have even bet that I was going to hear, oh, that damn franchise, that this is what they did <laughs> to me, you know, And but every one of the, 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 the people I did interview who formerly owned the franchise basically said, no, I ran out of money, I wasn't interested anymore, you know, or... It was me. I, I didn't know how to run a business, you know, things like that. It wasn't anything to do that the franchise didn't try to help to keep that franchise, uh, uh, franchise e in in the business. Okay. So you obviously went through quite a bit of of uh, you. You went up to Ann Arbor. Uh, harassed people there until you under got the information you wanted. You um, talk to other people who went out. Obviously, that's what I've always been told is the uh, FDD um, gives you the ability to find out who's the franchise and gives you contact info. Um, what did you, and you obviously like the, yeah, I think you put it, the ethos of the company. What research did you do on your market, the the market you ultimately chose? chose? <laughs> Well, I did probably zero research on that particular. Well, when you say market, do you mean the cleaning market, or do you mean the market which I permanently have my business in? The market you permanently. Well, actually, both. I mean, what did you look at to decide that made you decide with respect to the cleaning market, but then also uh, about your uh, geographic. Uh, territory market because you have a territory, correct? Okay. With the cleaning business, uh, the thing that really attracted me was the residual. Uh, I had dabbled a little bit in insurance. I was a, a insurance guy for a little while, and the thing that attracted me to that business was the fact that I had residuals of people who were uh, renewing their their uh, contracts uh, in insurance and. One of the things, and when things turned bad, as they did in my business around 2008, 2009, many of uh, 
of the people that were with us on a regular basis, you know, weekly, every two weeks, every four weeks, whatever, stayed with us. And although we didn't get that many um, what we call one-time cleans, uh, that that slowed down quite a bit during the downturn. We we definitely had a lot of people who wanted to stay with us, and that helped us stay in business. And I know a lot of other businesses simply, simply businesses that simply closed their doors during that time because it, their business dried up. Now, as far as my market area is concerned, uh, uh, Naperville and Aurora ha- uh, have two elements. Uh, Naperville being uh, pretty much a higher-end neighborhood, uh, so to speak, and Aurora having a, a, a lot of uh, good quality workers. So I had the blend of, of two things that uh, pretty much are needed for the business I was, you know, for the uh, cleaning business uh, in, in this particular area, uh, plus the surrounding uh, area around Aurora and Naperville is uh, also prime territory for the, for the cleaning business. Uh, there's a lot of individuals here who take the train, as an example, into the, the city of Chicago and then back again every day. So they spend a lot of time traveling, and uh, they have, of course, families that they want to be with. So wow. one of the things we offer our clients is simply time. Uh, instead of spending a whole weekend cleaning a home, they are out spending it with their with their kids, so the, the market uh, in both perspectives was I, I think where I'm at right now was ideal. Ah, uh, the gift of time—the one thing we can't yeah, make exactly. more of, at least yet. There's a few experiments I've got. No, just kidding. There. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I've also heard that uh, a lot of times people will shy away from franchising because. They're going to have to do it the franchisor's way. Um, I know that one of our uh, – where our niche in the franchising market is helping owners color with what we call color within the lines of the franchise, but yet show their personality. But do you find that a lot of people are worried about franchising because they feel they're going to lose control? I think there are uh, owners of franchises who may feel that way because they are locked into a contract that basically says that whatever is needed in the way of supplies for your business has to be uh, bought through the the master franchise. And I can see where you're sort of locked into, um, uh, how should I say, Whatever the price, you know, whatever the markup they decide it's going to be, that's what it is, and you have to purchase it. And it could be as simple uh, as printing products with, you know, their logo. And you can see why the uh, franchisor wants to take control of that because now they control not only how the logo looks uh, and it's presented on on, on printed things like sacks, you know, for for the products uh, or, you know, uh, but they also gain in, in, in the fact that I'm sure that they mark whatever the printer is going to be uh, uh, printing that up for, they're going to mark that up to a certain degree. So you're, print, you're going to end up paying a premium for the products you buy from, from the franchisor as opposed to being have a, a little latitude in that area. 
And one of the things I liked about my franchise is we weren't locked in specifically. Now we were we were locked in from the standpoint of okay, if we're going to use the logo, it had to uh, uh, be pretty much to the standards that, that that are applied to to the logo, and we can't vary from that um, very much. And but the thing is, even if we decide to vary from it, we could ask for permission to do that. So there's a much more greater latitude uh, in in the things that we do, and, and we don't have to buy the products uh, uh, from the franchise, or uh, we can buy products that that we feel would be good for our business. Um, and I think you'll find in the franchise world, there's gonna the spectrum is going to be where you're completely locked into everything you do, down to the matchbook covers. You know, and the other end where you have total, you know, freedom, uh, and you're probably better off. You know, whatever you think. Uh, some people might prefer to be locked in. They don't really have to think about advertising and how things are going to look. Uh, and others want the freedom. So it's really what you want. You know, that that's important. Okay, and that makes sense. And I, I, I guess we've seen a, a great range in the the people that the franchisees uh, that we, we deal with. Um, another thing that I've heard is that uh, one of the big lessons that, uh, or takeaways is that people shouldn't be afraid to get their hands dirty, that they're going to have to, um, they're going to have to be willing to work in uh, the door, you know, or, sorry, work, work in the business, and um, it's not just you buy it and it runs without you. Without you, would you agree with that? Uh, here again, <laughs> it's a matter of choice. Uh, you can buy a franchise that you know you're going right from the day one. You're going to be hiring managers and they're going to handle everything. And if that's what you want, it's probably going to cost you a little bit more, especially in the beginning. Or you can start, and myself, I started the business myself. Um, I did hire a manager uh, from the get-go, uh, but only because I felt that I wanted to work more on the business as opposed to in the business, And which brings to, to mind another thing. A lot of people uh, think that uh, they have to work in the business through its life, uh, which it's okay if that's what you want to do, but I always pretty much thought of how am I going to uh, position the company so eventually I will be able to do something like this talk show and not being worried about what's going on at work. So uh, right now I have you know really good managers who handle everything uh, that uh, needs to be handled on a daily basis and. Uh, allows me the latitude to do more fun things like this radio show, as an example. And we're happy about that. Um, yeah. I was talking the other day with an upcoming guest, um, uh, the well-known franchise king, and he was talking about, we were, we were talking about an article he had written in Forbes a couple of years back on the nature of uh, 
the federal rules and regulations on franchising and how they were changing under the last administration and they they may change again or they're they're being rolled back again but what caught me is that and we need a I want a quick answer because it looks like Ron has made it here um and we'll bring him on in a second but what he's saying is what, what, what he was saying is, is that he, with the economy going great guns, that he expects the number of new franchisees um, coming in to be reduced because a lot, a lot of times you get new franchisees that have been lo- loss of job, and that's why they join. Do you agree with that? Do you think we'll see fewer franchisees c- coming into the the industry because of the good economy. That's a a possibility, but um, I think what some of the franchisors are finding out is that because of the people that are retiring, they they don't feel that they have enough retirement. And I say older people, and some people are retiring in their 50s, may want to go into business now. So, you know, because now they have something to fall back on to, which is their retirement income from the previous job. And they can still own a business and possibly improve how things are going for them. So um, it, it might be a wash, but okay. not being on that side, I don't know exactly how how it's going to look. So is, well, is Ron on the line? Ron is on the line. Ron. All right, Ron's here, yes. All right. Ron taught me about financial audits. And if I get near him again, I'll have to hurt him for that. Welcome, Ron. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome, Ron. Hi, guys. Sorry so, I'm late. Hey, that hey, happens. We understand that. So let's talk financial audit. First question, when does a financial audit for a franchisor normally get done? Yeah, so normally it gets done uh, shortly after their year end, and they're required, if they're an established franchisor, they're required to have three years of audited financials in the FDD to show to prospective franchisees. And if they're a, uh, a new franchisor, the rules are a little different for them, and in some cases they don't need to provide audited financials uh, initially or for the first uh, year or two that they're franchising. But established franchisors will have three years of audited financials in their FDD for their prospective franchisees to examine. It's item 21 in the FDD. And... uh, standard part and one of the more important parts uh, of the FDD, but a part that a lot of uh, prospective franchisees may not easily be able to understand. So, and I'll let Ray jump in with a question next, but you, so if media, if I, if I heard what you said, if Mediavine were going to start franchising, then we wouldn't have to have an audit that first year? Correct, uh, and, it, and a lot depends on the state. Some some states have their own rules, 
where uh, you know you got it's all designed to protect the consumer or to you know to protect the franchisee or prospective franchisee that's looking at buying the franchise. So the Federal Trade Commission that which regulates these documents uh, has a set of rules and then some states have their own rules which may or may not require more than what the Federal Trade Commission requires. So if you're going to start up franchise, oh here's an example. My firm's been recently engaged to provide uh, an audited balance sheet on a startup franchisor and by another startup franchisor we've been engaged to help them put together unaudited financial statements because that's all they need. Uh, many franchisors, many startup franchisors uh, just start franchising either in their, their home state or in a few states in the immediate area and they don't roll out uh, nationally or internationally for a while. So some states require that the FDDs be submitted to those states for review. Those are called registration states and most of the states don't require the FDD to be submitted and reviewed. Uh, you know, so it's a little easier process in those states. But right, Fred, if you started franchising today, you might not need audited financial statements, which then obviously uh, a prospective franchisee may be looking at different things on a startup franchisor versus uh, an established mature franchisor. There's, there's different, different risks and different opportunities that they'll have to get comfortable with. So, Ron, one of, I think one of the questions that probably our audience would ask is, uh, so you're out there, an individual looking for a franchise, uh, and you're not that familiar with financials and everything. Um, so the question is, so w what does the non-financial person, the neophyte, look for in an FDD? And would you suggest going to a person such as yourself and say, hey, I'm looking at this franchise. Give me an idea of what you think, you know, these financials look like. Sure. And, uh, I mean, one thing to keep in mind here, Ray, is that in, in many cases, the purchase of a franchise business is the largest or second largest investment a person will make in their lifetime uh, right up there with buying a house so what they want to do if they if they don't feel that they're the one that should be examining the FDD in in virtually all cases they should hire uh, a CPA and an attorney that are you know not just any CPA or any attorney. You want to have professionals on your team, professional advisors that are very familiar with franchising, not just not just somebody who dabbles in it, and not just somebody who handles other businesses and thinks that they can examine some financials and and know what they mean. Because franchising uh, is a is a unique industry and has unique rules and has. Uh, 
kind of unique things to look for. And it's got a lot of things that should be consistent from one franchise or to another, but it's got a lot of uh, things that are unique to the franchise or need to be examined so that the person uh, considering buying that franchise knows as much as they possibly can know the day that they sign that agreement and hand over the check, which in most cases the franchise fee is non-refundable. So as soon as they sign that agreement and hand the check over, uh, they're in it. You know, they got their, they've got their skin in the game, and uh, uh, there's no such thing, I think, with prospective franchisees to to having too much information. I don't think it's possible to have too much information or do too much due diligence. You, the more you know, the better before you sign that agreement and hand over the check. Absolutely. So, one what? One of the things I'm sorry. One of the things I'd like to ask Ron uh, is uh, I want to change the perspective a little bit in the sense that uh, let's just say I would be interested. I already own a franchise and we're doing pretty good, but I'm 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 looking elsewhere and I want maybe I want to look at another franchise. It doesn't not necessarily another cleaning company, uh, it could be some other franchise. And uh, I want to look at the uh, financials from a, a slightly different perspective. Maybe the, uh, the guy wants to sell because he's not doing that well financially. And so when I say, would I be looking for bad financials uh, from maybe the owner the owner's perspective? And which would be maybe good from my standpoint, or should, would I just stay away from it because, you know, it wouldn't be a good deal no matter how you look at it. Uh, that's that's a good question. So there can be financials of a bit. You know, part of it part of it on the due diligence side is digging in and finding out why the financials. Uh, Maybe you know to use your term bad. What's been going on with the business? Why have revenues gone down, or why have expenses gone up? Uh, you you know why you know so you start di- you start digging in there. You know have they lost customers? Have they gained customers? If margins have gone down, uh, why you know why have margins go down, gone down well maybe you know if it's a if it's a restaurant maybe the price of chicken wings went way up last year maybe some new competitors moved in to the area uh that are doing things differently or that are undercutting prices or you know or whatever so it's really finding out what's gone on and then uh just because they have bad, you know, bad financials, or if the business is deteriorating, sometimes that presents an opportunity for the buyer, uh, depending on what they can add to the business. And if it, if the price ends up being the right price for the way the business has been operating most recently, then it could make sense. I think what. What what a buyer wants to try to avoid, I think, are, are a few things. One is uh, accepting just verbally an answer, well, you know, last year was a bad year, the last two years are bad years, and this is going to be a great year. 
So, you know, you don't, you don't want to pay for something that you're not getting or for risk that you're taking on. You want to pay based on what the business is doing at that time. You don't, and you don't want to pay for what you're going to be able to grow it into. You want to pay for how it's doing at that time. You also, one thing I have difficulty with are buyers that get told, well, don't pay attention to the financials. Uh, not everything's shown in there. You know, we're doing, we do another 10000 or 20000 a month in cash that's not shown there. So you're going you're gonna to make a lot more money than what these financials show. Trust me. You know, the old trust me. And, uh, you know, so I don't like paying for things uh, or my clients paying for things that aren't reflected in the financials. Uh, but I do believe there are ways to structure an agreement where if if you're being told that there's a lot of additional business that's not reflected in the financials, I think you can build in uh, contingent payments into a purchase agreement to where if you do a lot more business than what was shown in the financials, the buyer ends up getting some additional or the seller ends up getting some additional payments uh, from you. But uh, you know, there there's a lot of different games that uh, some business owners will pay, especially businesses that uh, have a lot of cash coming in for their revenues, and uh, you know, and and sometimes those owners get greedy and keep going along and pocketing cash and not reporting it, rather than uh, you know what they, what they and I don't, I don't advocate, you know, not reporting all the business that's done because in the end it's going to – it could come back to bite you, uh, not to mention that it's illegal. <laughs> but, Absolutely. Uh, you know, I definitely agree a, a smart you. buyer on the, or a smart seller on the, on the seller side would the last few years before, if they're able to plan for a sale – the last few years of the, uh, before the sale, they should start reporting everything so that the numbers improve. It's, uh, you know, and, and likewise, where we're talking about bad financials, sometimes the financials drastically improve right before a sale. So a buyer would want to investigate that and find out, you know, what's been going on because you want to make sure that these sales that are being shown in those financials are really sales. Mm-hmm. Is, is there any one thing that, uh, like like I mentioned before, a person not familiar with financials, he's just going through, maybe he just uh, asked for 10 FTDs from different companies. Ideally, what would he be looking for in a nutshell that it would indicate that it would be a good business or a good fit for that person? Yeah, so if it's uh, an, an existing franchisor that's got multiple units out mm-hmm. there that are franchises you one of the first things you want to look at I think is cash flow and mm-hmm. get it make sure that that franchisor uh, is cash flowing and is able to pay its bills and is making money and mm-hmm. you want to look at their royalty stream their royalty revenue stream a little more closely than their franchise fee stream because it's really the royalties that should sustain 
uh, paying all the operating expenses. Uh, the franchise fees are nice for them to have, but in many cases, the franchise fees get expended uh, in training and uh, broker fees or franchise sales fees in advertising, things like that. So it's really the royalty stream you want to see increasing. Uh, you want to see positive cash flow, and then you want to look at the balance sheet and primarily assets and liabilities. You want to make sure that, uh, I mean, you know, a danger sign is if the liabilities, especially current liabilities, are higher than current assets because that means they may have trouble paying their bills. You want to look at their uh, receivables because they shouldn't be, I mean, there's warning signs that uh, that too large of a receivable number, royalty receivable number, can give off. If uh, you know, if the ro if the royalty receivables, for example, are are much higher than one month's worth of royalties, it might indicate some issues. Either uh, yeah. yeah, with the biggest one being the franchisees aren't paying their royalties on time, which usually indicates that there's some kind of a problem. Either they're not, they're not happy with the franchise or or they're not making enough money to be able to pay their royalties that they owe. So that can be a yeah, danger sure, sign. Yeah. And then you want to look at on, equity uh, and cash. So on this topic, what what would I see go up? Because I know you and I have talked, among others, about you want to make sure that the franchisor isn't making all of their money off of selling franchises as opposed to uh, collecting royalty fees. What would, where would somebody look? What would it look like um, if a franchisor was mainly making money off of just selling franchise, franchises? Yeah, hopefully, you know, when you're looking at their financials, uh, oftentimes they, they break down how much they received that year in franchise fee income and how much they received that year in royalty income. And by having three years of audited financials, you you can see the three-year trend and uh, figure out, you know, on the royalty side, uh, are the royalties increasing, which normally the royalties would be going up for a couple reasons over time. One of them would be they have more franchisees out there that are paying royalties. And the second one would be because most royalties are based on sales of the franchisee. Uh, the second reason would be the franchisee's revenues are increasing. So therefore they're paying more in royalties to the franchisor because their royalties are a percentage of sales. So you'd look at those two trends and uh, you know try to find out as much as you can. And then when you're doing your due diligence also, uh, you know, when you're considering buying a franchise, you're not just going to look at the FDD and you're not just going to have your lawyer and accountant look over the financials and the other terms of the FDD. You're going to talk to franchisees and uh, they're all listed in the FDD uh, as well as former franchisees that are listed in the franchisee and part of your due diligence would normally be talking to them and finding out if they're happy with 
the business that they purchased. If, uh, you know, how's business or sales going up? Is the franchisor doing what they said they would do? Uh, all that becomes part of your due diligence. But certainly in the financials and looking at the financials, you want to see a trend of increasing royalty revenues. Yeah, if, if franchise uh, re franchise fee revenues have gone up, that's good in most cases. You know, they're selling new franchises. That That's usually a good thing. But certainly the royalties, uh, yeah, and then if they have a financial, sometimes they have a financial representation in item 19 where they talk about, you know, how the stores are doing and what the sales are. And, you know, it might say what the profits are. It might say what the margins are. It might have a variety of information uh, as to how the franchisees are doing. And that's certainly something a prospective franchisee would also want to look at. What's the franchisor saying? Uh, what kind of financial representations are they making regarding the performance of the franchisees? So from the perspective of a person wanting to buy a franchise and they wanted to make sure the financials were good, how do they get a hold of you? How do they get in contact with you and uh, you know, ask you that question? Uh, how do they get a hold of me personally? Yeah, to, to, to uh, okay. Ask you, uh, you know, right? So, your opinion uh, on the my financials of a particular. My, uh, yes. So, if somebody wanted to engage me to help them with their due diligence on a on a franchise, they can reach me, uh, you know, through my CPA firm, you know, by email. CPA firm is francpaplc.com. My email address is. FranCPAPLLC at gmail.com. And my office phone number is 248-331-5465. I'm constantly checking email and uh, return phone calls pretty promptly. And, you know, whether... Uh, I love franchising, if you can't tell, so I'm always happy to help people uh, investigate the purchase of a of a business and uh, figure out uh, if they're buying you know help them figure out if they're buying the right business for them help them we can help with projections if they need a bank loan uh, or want to apply for an SBA loan to buy the franchise there's a, a variety of ways of financing a purchase sometimes the franchisor helps out uh, I can provide them with uh, a list of questions they should be asking the franchisor and existing franchisees. Uh, we can also, you know, there, there's other things, uh, you know, like with a new franchise, for example, a new franchisor, a lot of times uh, if they have very few franchisees or they're just starting out, there may be more parts of that franchise agreement that are negotiable for the prospective franchisee. So, you know, it's not just looking at the financials. There's a lot of things to look at. And a startup franchisor may not have much in the way of financials that will be helpful. So then you've got to determine, uh, you know, is there a lot of upside here? So I'm going to be one of the first guys in or first women into this system. You know, do I like the system? 
what can the what experience does the franchisor have? Because they may not have a lot of experience in franchising or in helping franchisees. And if I'm getting a little bit less from them on that front, and I'm getting a little bit less of a brand than if I were buying a McDonald's, for example, or a Molly Maid, you know, there 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 should be more upside for me. Maybe I get bigger territories. Maybe I've got rights to take over my state if I want to. Maybe I get a lower expansion fee if I if I add additional franchises for this brand. Uh, there should be things in there to help with the risk. Okay. We're running out of time, and I, I want to really thank you for being there. And uh, I'd like to ask people to tune in next week when we have uh, – Kristen Chomezzi will be online with me. She is a successful ice hockey mom and successful franchise owner. So, Fred? She rock. You had anything to say? Nope. We'll see everyone next week. Talk to everyone on Pillars of Franchising. Ron, we're going to have you back on another one so you and Michael Liss can argue things out, CPA to lawyer. Until next week. Sounds good. It does. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks.